Hey, this is Arielle, the host of Reset, which is now officially one month old. If you've been listening all along, thank you. It means a lot, and we've got a little ask for you. If you could share this episode or one of your favorites with a friend, text it, tweet it, do whatever works for you, that would help us out. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Reset is a podcast that explores how technology changes the way we live. On today's episode, we're talking about tech, obviously, and sex education, which means there'll be some mentions of sex throughout the episode. Just a heads up. I have a question for you. When you were a kid, how did you learn about sex? Did it go a little something like this? Okay, settle down, everybody. Take your seats. Thank you. Okay, today we will be continuing our discussion on human sexuality. That's right, sex ed week. We're going to be talking about the penis. We'll be talking about the vagina. Do you think that's funny, butthead? I'm here to provide the facts about sex in a frank and straightforward manner. And now here's Fuzzy Bunny's guide to you know what. Don't have sex, because you will get pregnant and die. Do you find it amusing that we'll be talking about the testicles? <laughs> don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it, promise? Okay, everybody take some rubbers. Whether you got your information from health class, a gym teacher, or a parent, sex ed is a notoriously cringeworthy hallmark of growing up. But what if a conversation with a robot could make the talk easier or less stressful for everyone involved? I'm Arielle Dwim-Ross. This is Reset. It was really awkward for a lot of the students because, like, it was just a bunch of information that we did not know what to do with. That's Itzel. She's 19, and she told me her high school sex ed experience was uncomfortable. Like, we started since we were, like, in ninth grade, and I'm pretty sure that, like, none of us were having sex at that age, right? We were just so young, and so we just didn't know what to do with that information. But as we got older, like, I guess we appreciated it more, but we still didn't have enough confidence in ourselves to ask the questions that we really wanted answered. Did you ever feel awkward during those classes? Me? Um, I guess a bit because my boyfriend was in that class with me. <laughs> so it's like, okay, hi. And like the kids would just like turn around and look at both of us because we would always sit next to each other. So, yeah. Okay. So that's a little bit, that's a little awkward. That's fair. <laughs> um, do you ever remember getting information that you were like, uh, I feel like maybe I need more information about this or this class is not really doing it for me? I feel like they didn't talk enough about the female orgasm. Mm. Okay, so you wish like that kind of information was prioritized as well. Mm-hmm. Did you feel prepared by the education that you got, or was there still were there still some gaps in your knowledge? I feel like that at the time, like my my questions were answered at the time because like back then, like I wasn't as sexually active, mm-hmm. so um, I feel like whatever I needed to know, they answered right. But, like, now it's, like, I'm grown up and I'm, like, I have a new boyfriend. I don't know. Like, it's, like, starting over in a way. And it's just, like, I need to know these questions and I need to know what birth control to take. Mm -hmm. And it's just so overwhelming that I have to research everything again. 
Itzel's sex ed experience is actually pretty typical, except for one thing. She was part of a research project led by Planned Parenthood to understand exactly what information teens want to know about sex. Because here's the thing, 84% of teens look for health info online, and a lot of their questions are about STDs, puberty, and pregnancy. But what they come across online is often just plain wrong. So Planned Parenthood did what they do, and they came up with a plan. Our team built a sex ed chatbot named True. Ambreen Molitor is the senior director of the Digital Products Lab at Planned Parenthood. And yes, you heard that right. A sex ed chatbot called Rue. That's R-O-O. It's gender neutral. You cannot determine if it has a certain gender identity or even sexual orientation. If you take a long time to type something, Rue starts to like fall asleep and, you know, has some Z's going over his head. And they love that. They, they're like, this avatar is actually paying attention to me. Like, right. they're taking the time to understand and kind of connect with me in unique ways. And I think that's another thing that we get so much feedback on is just that not only is it great that I feel safe, but I also feel like this avatar, like, really is listening or just understanding my habits. Okay, and it, it does have a human form, a human shape, or no? It's a blob. It's, it's like a blob. A, it's like a, but it's, it's, it's just basically an avatar that's like a rounded rectangle with eyes and a mouth to like provide gestures. Okay, so it's your friendly neighborhood sex ed <laughs> blob. Precisely. Cool. That winks, that sleeps, that snores, all of those things. Chatbots, in general, are computer programs that answer questions or provide services by simulating human conversation. So what Planned Parenthood did is make a computer program called Roo that answers a specific category of questions. What Roo allows folks to do, specifically teens, is allow them to anonymously ask all kinds of questions, custom or suggested, around sexual health information. The interface is very much like a text uh, a text format. So Rue will prompt you and greet you and allow you to have the open space to ask a question. So it could be as short or as long as you want it to be. And Rue will respond to you in 180 characters or less. I don't know about you, but I've had pretty terrible experiences with chatbots, and they don't have the greatest track record in general. Maybe you remember Microsoft's chatbot attempt a few years ago. They had to shut it down because Twitter managed to train it to be racist and misogynistic in less than 24 hours. So when I heard about Rue, I was pretty skeptical. And I definitely wanted to know more about how it works. So how Rue works is threefold. So the first is there is software. It's artificial intelligence. And the actual software that we use is called Natural Language Processing, NLP. And for folks that are not familiar with what that does, it's the same software that allows you to, while you're texting, it completes your word, it completes your sentence. That's the same software we're powering with Rue. So Rue is trained to anticipate the question and also anticipate the sentiment of the question to be able to answer it. The second and third layer are human inputs. So the second input is we have a content strategist that comes in and ensures that the answers that we provide have that sort of non-judgmental tone. It provides the personality that brings Rue to life. And then the third most important one is we have a team of educators 
that review each answer and ensure that it's medically accurate and it's up to date. Ambreen's team talked to teenagers at a high school in Brooklyn about their online habits and what they wanted out of the bot. Itzel, who you heard earlier, was one of those teens. Teens really wanted to be anonymous. Like, sometimes they didn't feel comfortable talking to the community around them or in the sex ed classrooms, but also online because more often than not, Gen Zs, teens in general, are very much aware that when you're searching on Google, you're being cookied. People know that you <laughs> asked that question. And so they're very cognizant of what they type on the browser, too, or in the search query, which is really unique. And that's something that we that was serendipitous and we found out through our research. Right. Planned Parenthood actually even has a, a texting service where you can talk to a, a sex ed professional directly. That's correct. But now you're developing a chatbot. So it right. sounds like like you still feel a need to remove a human from the equation even further. Yeah, and that's because at certain times, we found that teens feel comfortable with talking to a bot because it eliminates strong bias. They're quick to open up to, like, the actual questions that they need to get to. Planned Parenthood keeps track of the questions people ask Rue. And for Ambreen, some of the subjects teens are curious about have been kind of surprising. Consent is a topic that we did not anticipate either from the learnings through visiting the high school or through the the data that we were seeing from our website. Otherwise, I think a lot of the questions are things that we can anticipate. Lots around puberty, lots around those changes. Mm-hmm. Is this normal, dot, dot, dot? Correct. The spectrum of normalcy is where every teen wants to understand where they live on. Right. That adjective normal is very important to a teen. Um, and that's something we knew going into it. These are Big, complex, heavy topics. How does Rue answer these questions in 180 characters? (laughs) So we start off by describing consent. We say that there's no one way to do it. Mm -hmm. And then we provide just an example or some guiding principles for that. Once we answer the question, we recognize that someone may want to go deeper. And so we have link outs to like uh, pages on our website. And we also have videos on how you can find or figure out different ways that people can ask for consent. So it goes one step deeper when 180 characters cannot fulfill that answer or fulfill the curiosity that someone has about that said question. What are the limitations with Rue and how are you working around that? We're at approximately 80% of the time we're answering the question correctly. A lot of it falls on like two years worth of data um, and testing that we did. So we didn't um, just kind of launch it and go with it. The other thing that's that's just like a reality we need to call out is machine learning is not 100% accurate. Just need to call that out. I think Rue is very humble to bring it. <laughs> Rue is very humble to say, like, I'm not built to answer this question. Either I don't understand it or I actually don't think it's appropriate for me to answer it. Okay. And we're really good about handing it off to a human. So there are questions that Rue can't answer, which means Planned Parenthood had to build in some guardrails. If someone appears to be in crisis, for instance— Rue hands off that conversation to a mental health hotline. The other time that Rue does some handoffs is when there's decision-making in mind. So the birth control question is a really good one, where there are several different birth control methods, and there's not one directional way to suggest this birth control method is universally great. And that's where decision-making comes in. And again, that's an opportunity for Rue to understand that it's Uh, best to hand it off to an educator. The feedback from teens seems to be positive so far. But there's another demographic that Rue has also been attracting. 
It's so funny. Parents love this. I've actually had anecdotally parents reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, thank you so much for this bot. On LinkedIn, of all places. I know. Um, Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. um, Great place to talk about sex ed. (laughs) I'm not a parent and I'm not a teen, but I've had questions about sex in the past and I still have questions today. So I decided to put Rue to the test. Okay, so my plan is to ask Rue questions that I would have wanted to ask it when I was like 14 or 15. I'm going to type in uh, Rue Planned Parenthood uh, to get to the site. It says uh, Rue answers all your awkward questions about sexual health, relationships, growing up, and more. Which is great because I have some awkward questions to ask. It also has a, a list of questions, actually. It says stuff like, how do I tell someone I like them? And what's the right age to have sex for the first time? The question that I want to ask Rue is, how do I tell my friends that I'm gay? Then it says, hmm, I'm not quite sure I understand what you're asking. Try asking in a different way. And then it gives me a bunch of prompts. And one of them is, how do I come out? The other one is, should I come out? And the third one is, if I think about someone from the same sex when I masturbate, does that mean I'm gay? Um, <laughs> based on... <laughs> Based on personal experience, I would say that, yes, if you masturbate and you think about somebody from the same sex, you might be a little queer. So actually, I will click on the the masturbation one, because why not? Let's see what it says. It says, what you think or fantasize about when you masturbate doesn't necessarily have anything to do with whether you identify as gay, straight or bisexual. This is a very diplomatic answer. People enjoy all kinds of different fantasies. Sometimes it relates to their sexual orientation and sometimes it doesn't. This is actually a much better answer than I think most people would give somebody asking that typical question because, yeah, sexuality is complex and it's complicated. And actually, this is this is really nice to have a chatbot acknowledge that, hey, sexuality is a spectrum. Um, I love that. In some ways, I got to say, the general feeling that I'm getting from Rue is that it sort of acts like a search engine that is specific to Planned Parenthood's resources. I think it's a tool that I that I would definitely recommend. I'm not sure that it is good at answering all types of questions. I think that it's really, really limited. But if you are a 13 or 14 year old who is concerned with like kind of regular sex questions and puberty questions, this is probably going to cover all your bases. My overall impression is that Rue isn't any better than the best sex ed tools I've seen, but it's another entry point for people to get good, solid information. Still, when I think about Rue, I honestly feel a little sad because I see why teens might prefer to use Rue rather than talk to an adult. And that makes me wonder, why is sex ed so broken? And is Rue really the solution? That's after the break. I started talking to my kid before they were verbal (laughs) Uh as I was taking care of them and changing them and bathing them and rocking them and singing to them and giving them messages about their body and gender roles and all that stuff. That's Nora Gelprin. Nora is a parent and also a longtime sex educator. And it has been my whole entire career. I'm kind of strange in that way. She's the director of sexuality education and training at an organization called Advocates for Youth. She's also developed a sex ed video series called Amaze. 
And we've got over 80 videos going these days. We've had over 8 million views of them um, on all different topics from gender identity and sexual orientation to sex trafficking to intersectionality to puberty and wet dreams and all those kinds of good things. All those good kinds of things. Some of the videos Amaze makes are designed for parents and kids to watch together. Take the video about the boner song, for example, which Nora plays for her kid. So, oh, yes, he sings the boner song all the time. <laughs> My crazy compass. Honestly, I get it. It's kind of a bop. I really just wanted everyone to know about this song. Anyway, Nora, you've been talking to children and teens about bodies and sexuality for a long time. What's the hardest part about teaching sex ed? I would say the hardest part is to help people recognize how normal and natural sexuality is. A lot of people think it's just about what happens in the bedroom, uh, but there's so much more to who we are as individuals and what our beliefs are and all our relationships with our family and our friends and romantic partners. Why is sex ed so prickly in the U.S.? <laughs> how much time do you have? Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's a huge, complicated thing. But I think most of it is based on our um, our history of uh, puritanical beliefs around sexuality and the idea that sex is only acceptable if it's between heterosexually married adults. Sex education in the U.S. is decades old, but the ongoing discomfort many people feel when it comes to sex and bodies created a mess of a system. Because right now, sex education isn't mandatory in every state. So it's really a mixed bag. And even within those states that have policies, uh, we know those policies really vary in terms of their breadth, uh, what grade levels they start, what topics they can and can't talk about, um, the extent to which teachers can explain an issue. So, for example, in New Jersey, it'll say something like by eighth grade, teachers must discuss topics related to sexual orientation. Now, what the heck does that mean, right? Like, so for one teacher, that could be a few lessons really getting into that issue and helping young people understand what that concept is and how it's distinct from but related to gender identity and really teasing that apart. And for another teacher, they might just pass out a word bank with a definition, right? And there's no guidance on what those policies uh, tend to mean. It's really left up to local control. So policies are great and they're necessary, but they're not sufficient to really make sure comp sex that happens in our schools. So has it always been this way or... In and are things getting better or, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, Have you yeah. seen a change? Yeah, I've definitely seen change. I would say under the previous administration, we saw tremendous progress. We saw evidence and science really leading guidelines and funding, which was really exciting and innovative. And under the current administration, we're taking huge steps back. Uh, we've also seen a lot of schools really trying to either hold the line with the policies and programs they have or retreating because a lot of anti-sex ed Proponents have been emboldened uh, with the current climate and really coming out of the woodwork to kind of oppose even puberty education, um, even relationship violence prevention education. And so schools are really struggling to kind of keep up with the programs they need to be providing. And how does the U.S. compare to other countries with regards to sex ed? 
In comparison to many Western uh, European countries, industrialized nations, our rates of teen pregnancy, unintended teen pregnancy, as well as sexually transmitted infections, including HIV, are much higher. Um, But we have the same rates of when young people start to experiment sexually with each other and engage in behaviors. Um, So you can really see the difference between particularly in France, Germany and the Netherlands, where I've studied sex education. You can see they really normalize it. They encourage young people to ask questions. Parents think it's strange when kids don't come to them with questions and aren't curious and having relationships and exploring intimacy versus in our culture. Um, It's really seen as a moral issue, not a health issue. And there's a lot of stigma and shame and fear associated with that whole topic area, unfortunately. Given the current state of sex ed in the U.S., I asked Nora what she thinks of Rue. I wanted to know, is this the kind of tool that could make sex ed better? And would she recommend it to her own kid? Absolutely. Without hesitation. Absolutely. I think that technology is really a great companion for adults, whether they're parents and caregivers or professionals, having these conversations. So whether it's through our amaze.org project, through Rue the Chatbot, those are great supplements because they can provide really the core content around sexual health, which young people have endless numbers of questions about how body parts work, how pregnancy happens, how do you really get an infection, what do you do if you think you have one, and all that great Content can be really answered in ways that are incredibly private, confidential, can be accessed by young people when they're ready for them in a place that works for them. So that's terrific. And at the same time, it's not the answer. Um, I think that there's a lot of information that needs to be supplemented uh, to any of those technology-based resources because they can't talk about values. They can't talk about what do you do if you think you want to have an abortion, but your religion tells you you're going to go to hell. Mm -hmm. Um, Or what do you do if you think you're committing a sin by masturbating? Those are the things that that's where the technology is kind of limited, um, as you could imagine it would be. It's interesting because the way that you talk about Rue seems like you talk about it as a compliment, right? To have it alongside the guidance of a trusted adult. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering, is there a danger here that a parent might say, you know what, I'm not equipped to have this conversation with you, so you're only going to have the conversation Mm. with Rue. Do you worry about outsourcing these kinds of conversations to technology? Well, it's interesting you ask that. Uh, My greater worry is outsourcing it to adults who claim to be sex educators but actually have no background in sex education. Uh, So when we see um, adults saying, hey, I'm going to have an after-school class about sex education. I've never done this before. I'm a parent, but I've got three kids, so I'm qualified. Um, Or a YouTube channel star who says, I know everything about sex education. Follow me. I've got no training, but whatever. That actually is my bigger concern. Um, I really think that parents are savvy enough to recognize that factual information is only going to get you so far, but it doesn't answer the questions kids have about relationships um, and intimacy and love and betrayal and all of those things that our young people really crave talking about. Um, We know that they could tell you what the laws are about relationship violence or give you a hotline, and those can be life-saving. So I don't mean to minimize that at all, but it's certainly never going to be the complete answer to sex education because we know relationships are not something that you could program a a bot to respond (laughs) respond to completely. So that's what a sex educator will tell you. But what about a teenager? Itzel, who was part of the testing phase for Rue, also had some thoughts on this. It's hard to talk to people, let's be honest. Like, it's really hard to, like, put your feelings out there and, like, with, that, with like, the fear of being judged and, like, misguided sometimes even. When you were younger, where did you get your information about sex and your body? I talked a lot with my mom. Okay. Yeah. She was an amazing resource because, like, 
despite the fact that she didn't have a lot of like information growing up, she gave me enough so that I knew what to expect. I do believe that like not everyone is fortunate enough to have an, a resource like that at home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And is that where where Rue comes in? Yeah, I think that um, the way I see it is that both are important because, like, it's important to like do research on your own, but also it's important to like have a connection with another human being to be there with you for whatever you're going through. That's it for today's episode of Reset. I'm Ariel Dimross. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at ADRS. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. Reset drops three days a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. If you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Martha Daniel, Will Reed, and Skylar Swenson produced the show. Our engineer is Eric Gomez. Golda Arthur is our executive producer. Liz Kelly Nelson is the editorial director of Vox Podcasts. The mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder composed our theme music. Reset is produced in association with Stitcher and we're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back on Tuesday. Later, nerds. <laughs>